If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Real quick, before questions, we need to send a shout-out and a thank you to three people, Gio Flores, Brian Kinney, and Cake the Enforcer, who all joined our Patreon at the Jedi Master level. Thank you all so much. Uh, Your support is huge. It means the world to us. Also, today's video is brought to you by Skillshare. Star Wars has inspired countless people to become creators or storytellers themselves. It inspired me to make this YouTube channel, but it's inspired others to become filmmakers, writers, droid builders, cosplayers, and so much more. We're constantly learning to improve our craft, and Skillshare has thousands of classes taught by professionals to help you do exactly that. I've used it to help my work in After Effects, for example. Jake Bartlett's class on achieving a VHS look helped me make this old 80s-style video I did. Or right now, I'm watching a class on the basics of storytelling by Daniel Jose Older, an actual Star Wars author, because I have some future projects in mind that I want to be more story-driven. No matter how you express your fandom and creativity, Skillshare can help. The first thousand of my viewers to sign up through my link in the description will get a one-month free trial of Skillshare so you can start exploring your creativity today. For our first question, Rick Villanueva asks if Commander Cody would have fit into the Obi-Wan Kenobi series as originally planned. Yeah, so Stuart Beatty, the original screenwriter for the film that was then turned into a series, but the series was still based off the film. He's done some interviews for thedirect.com, and uh, one of those interviews, he talked about how Commander Cody was going to be in his original version. It does sound interesting. I do kind of like what they talked about, uh, that Cody, his first scene, it was going to be kind of like, oh, a clone is sneaking up on Kenobi and he attacks him. And it's basically like, no, they're they're friendly. Cody has taken his chip out uh, and he's keeping Obi-Wan on his toes, basically like fake hunting and be like, you got to be aware of your surroundings. You'd be dead. Yeah. Blah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it could have worked. However there's always the chance of most people not remembering what the chips actually did and what they were. And then you have to explain how we got it out. And like, not everybody who's watching these live action shows have seen shows like the bad batch where we've seen several people or clones already take their chips out. So it might be a little confusing. Yeah, they would have had to get around that. And I think they could have. I think they could have just basically been like, hey, Cody feels bad about what he did. They don't have to get into the fact that it wasn't his choice, uh, that more 
Cody has since become an ally to Kenobi and the people who know, know why. Um, I do think that I really like what they did with Broken Ben (laughs) in the series, just that Obi-Wan was alone. He was disconnected from people. He didn't really have any friends and he was avoiding them in the series. And I think that that works better, at least for the themes of the series we got. You know, this could have rippled out into making it a very different movie. Um, I'm just thinking in the context of the show, I like what it said about, no, connection to people is a strength. And his connection to Luke and Leia and his hope for the future is what gets him out of that hole in episode six. I think that works better if he doesn't have Cody at the start, who is a connection and a friend. Yeah. Plus, it would have been pretty awkward because he was the one to, like, shoot him down. They could have made some fun jokes about that. When everything, yeah, ended up happening. But yeah, Obi-Wan doesn't have too many close connections that we, like, at that point in the show. He knows Bale, but, like, doesn't keep in contact with him. He knows about Luke and Leia, but he's staying off, you know, hidden away. So... His best friend is Tika, the Jawa, who just, like, roasts him constantly. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I really like the moment that they have in the show when he does see the veteran clone. Mm -hmm. And he has that moment of, like, oh, no. Like, they're they're still out here. And, you know, it just reminds him of, like, everything that happened and that the the people involved are still suffering yeah so uh yeah that would have been to to keep on that moment for a second i really do like that moment because it feels like silently acknowledging all the chip stuff like to me i can headcanon it that obi-wan knows about the chips knows it wasn't the clone's fault and shows compassion for that clone that's what that moment says to me and i really like that Yeah, I just, I think they had too much history that is not directly related to the Luke-Leia story in that direction. It's related to Vader, which is, I guess, also important, but it would have been weird going forward if they brought Cody in for only this amount of time for this show, and then he was like, all right, bye, and then they had to go their separate ways, so I, I don't know, it it could have worked, but there's a lot of, there would have been a lot of loose ends, I think. It, it could have worked, but I think it would have been a very different story. That's kind of like, I keep thinking about it in the context of what we got. And the movie probably would have been, you know, in broad strokes, the same of uh, Obi-Wan leaving to protect Leia, confronting Vader. Um, but he may have not been quite so broken. It may have not been as personal of a journey. Uh, BD has talked a lot about how uh, it was kind of Kenobi learning to let go of his control over Luke and getting to the point of like, you know what? Oh, oh, and you're right. He just needs to be a kid and, mm-hmm. and stepping back, which that does happen in the series. But I think that might've been Stuart Beatty's version that of Kenobi's arc. So he probably just would have been starting and ending in different places and I really like his arc in the series. Um, I, but I do want to say the stuff with Cody he described is pretty fun. I don't think it would have worked in the context of this show, but he described a scene where like bounty hunters come after Kenobi 
Cody kills them, and then they have to dispose of the bodies, so they drive out to the local Sarlacc to toss them in, and then, like, another vehicle comes up, and you think, like, oh, no, they're in trouble, and it's just another group of people tossing stormtroopers in, and they're just like, hey, how you doing? Like, this is what everyone on Tatooine does. <laughs> like, that, that is a fun idea. So reading those scenes, I was like, this is pretty neat. And that would also explain, going back to uh, Book of Boba Fett, why there are just random stormtroopers inside Sarlaccs. Yeah. Because they're, they do a good job at uh, cleaning up messes. Yeah, it's just the scum and villainy of Tatooine <laughs> tossing bodies in. <laughs> Eek Lee Brat wants to know if a second season of Kenobi is inevitable after its record-setting amount of viewers. I don't think so. I mean, Book of Boba Fett also set records for its amount of viewers like to me that just means disney plus viewership is growing and more people are watching each series but you know book of boba fett season two doesn't seem inevitable uh kenobi i think seems more likely people just fans in general seem like they want that more uh to talk about Stuart Beatty again in his interviews, he was like, I originally kind of thought of the story as a three film arc, so we could do three seasons. Um, personally, I'm not really, I I'm happy with what we got. And I think I'm ready to just be like, let's leave it alone. If it does happen, I obviously I will watch it and be excited for it, but it's just not my first choice. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason why it did get so many viewers tuning in is because they marketed it as the rematch of the century for Obi-Wan and Vader over and over and over, and they really hammered it into the ground that, like, we're going to see Obi-Wan and Vader fight again in this show. And unless they can promise that again for a season two, eh, I that's, don't. Yeah, that's the thing, where I think to the more casual audience, the people who just watch the movies and the TV shows, the live-action shows... I think it would be a hard sell if they don't. And I don't think that Obi-Wan and Vader should, you know, meet up every season. Yeah. I like the way that they ended mm -hmm. their confrontation. So, like, how do you raise the stakes? I think that we and probably everyone watching this video would be on board with them doing something weird and trippy and, like, force vision stuff so that Obi-Wan learns to become a force ghost, make it really just like it's all on Tatooine and it's all spiritual and just strange. Bring back the nose lizards. <laughs> I, I think that we would all be down for that. I think that other people would just be confused by it. People who had never seen the Clone Wars would be like, what is this show now? Yeah. Like it feels so different from the first season. Yeah. And it's hard to tell people that like Obi-Wan and Vader shouldn't, meet up again after after everything we went through in this show like it just wouldn't it wouldn't feel right and i don't want to say like there's no way it can happen and it shouldn't happen because it, i i always go back to the leia thing where i was very much like obi-wan should not leave tatooine and that's just because i hadn't even remotely considered this in retrospect very obvious idea that there's there's probably other obvious ideas for good stories out there. It's just like, I, I haven't taken the time to think of them yet. Um, but I do think it would be a challenge to raise the stakes for season two for 
the more general uh, audience that doesn't, you know, watch all of the animated stuff and read the books and comics and what have you. Yeah, it's, we've talked about this before, but we would, I think we would rather see a spinoff series taking something from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show and kind of elaborating on it, like The Path or Reva or a little Leia series, which I would love to see. Um, But it just wouldn't be a season two, really. It would just be a spinoff. Yeah. Nay214 asks who we would want to see in the main cast of a hypothetical series about the path. That's why I didn't expand upon what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh, yeah, I think that a path series, a a spinoff of sorts, uh, makes a lot of sense where Obi-Wan can pop up. He can help out now and again. Uh, I am totally down for that. I just think that he should be a supporting character and not the main character moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you talk about Reva because that's more <laughs> your thing. I don't want to take that. Well, yeah, I, I always thought, so we lost Tala. She was kind of the the leader of the path that, from what we could see uh, in the show. So now that we know Reva has survived, she didn't go full dark side in the end. She decided to to come back to the light. Have Reva take Tala's place and show us what her atonement is going to look like and have her take part in the path going forward. And yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan can come in and help as a cameo supporting character uh, once or twice. But yeah, that would be that would be really cool to see what Reva's journey continues to look like after how it ended. It, It could even start like the first episode could be her living with Obi-Wan in his hut. Because I don't think Obi-Wan is like, oh, you're good now? Well, okay, see ya. I trust you with this knowledge of Luke. Uh, Incomplete as it may be, I don't think he just sends her on her way. Uh, I think it would be cool to see them continue to have uh, some sort of relationship as these two people that were so deeply affected by Anakin's fall uh, continuing to learn about one another to the point where it is believable that Obi-Wan's like, all right, you're cool, you're in the inner circle, uh, you want to help out with the path, great. Or maybe they even set up a safe house on Tatooine or something, but mm-hmm. I, I love the thematic journey for Reva that at first she is fighting against the path because she's angry and resentful of it, um, but now she is on their side and instead of seeking revenge she is going to make sure she's going to try to heal those wounds by making sure that what happened to her never happens to another kid again i think that's a great journey for her and obviously star wars has kind of struggled to show okay you're good now uh and also you're alive (laughs) and keeping that story going and what does that look like exactly so to me that makes perfect sense um on top of reva I think Roken is a no-brainer um, because of his role in the path. I mean, he's got to find a new headquarters. Jabim got messed up. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, I'd want to see Quinlan Boss. Yeah. I don't know that he'd be a main character, but a fun... Like Talos said, he helps out now and again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and let, him, s- let him pop up. And somehow Wade returns. Yeah, Wade. <laughs> Wade swims out of Nur. <laughs> yeah. He's like, guys, I made it. He's, he, he's, he's, he's too new. angry about getting taken out like a punk 
So the anger keeps him alive. I think he's just like the Kenny of this show, like in South Park. Wade gets shot down every episode, but he's just, he's got too much fan love behind him to die at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. J.D. Rice wants to know if Obi-Wan would have been better received if it were released all at once instead of weekly. I kind of think so. Like, I mean, this is sort of the uh, movie debate as well. Should it have been a movie? And I do think that this isn't really a, a condemnation of the story at all. Really, I think it's more that people just don't know how to watch TV shows anymore. That's what I feel yeah. like. People have zero patience for a lot of things. And TV shows are definitely one of them because streaming networks like Netflix, Hulu, all the rest of them, they've been going at it differently this whole time by dropping entire seasons of shows having people binge watch them. But like, if so when someone sees a new show that isn't like that and they have to go one episode at a time, for some people that's a lot harder to to go about it and, and you know, be open-minded about what next week is going to look like. I, I kind of feel like Star Wars fans, I don't think this is a unique problem to Star Wars, but just from my perspective, you know, if you really dive deep into Star Wars lore, so many things have backgrounds to that. So many characters, like you can learn their stories. Uh, so many questions have answers. And I think Star Wars fans don't like the feeling of not knowing things. And so when they have a question about a show, it's like it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just wait. I mean, <laughs> that's when we were watching... Uh, episode two with everyone at celebration and the grand inquisitor gets stabbed and everyone looked at me like what does this mean and i was like just watch the show like (laughs) no he's probably fine and guess what he was like explain it to me yeah i mean i agree that everything about the that that was i think what uh gold leader uh one of the schmodown competitors said he was like the cinematic language is showing us that he's dead And I agree, like showing his dead body lying there or lifeless body, it makes it look like he's dead. But I was just like, they know who the Grand Inquisitor is. They're not going to kill him. Mm -hmm. So everyone just wait. And uh, I think a lot of that happens where just any little question that pops up, people like want to get defensive about it almost. Mm. Well, yeah, when you're forced to watch a show one episode at a time, one week at a time, it just gives people more time to pick apart that one episode instead of seeing how it connects to the rest of the episodes mm-hmm. and how they kind of flow into each other. And, you know, part of it, too, is uh, the fact that it was going to be a movie and then it was a show. So, like, the the high and low points of the show as a whole kind of do this. So that may have been harder for people to see drawn out one week at a time i definitely i wanted to bring that up because this does feel a little bit like they had to kind of fabricate some stopping points some cliffhangers that weren't exactly cliffhangers uh everything felt natural in the show like it it does feel like a story that i think people would have had less complaints about if they had just sat down and been able to watch it all um i do think that you know, The Mandalorian was devised as a series, and it's way more episodic than Kenobi was. So I, I do think that that's it at play as well. 
Mm-hmm. But I think people just need to remember, this is a TV series. I promise you'll get a full story by the end of it. Just be patient. <laughs> That's it. Well, too, because Stranger Things uh, season four just ended and it was like a huge hit and a huge success. I'm curious going forward to see if other TV shows adopt that version of it. So where they dropped volume one, which was seven episodes, seven episodes. And then volume two was like the big two part long, long finale. So like, I'm, I'm curious to see if Star Wars decides to do something like that. I hope they don't. I mean, I I prefer what they currently are doing. I like going week to week. Uh, I think it's so much fun talking about, you know, what's going to happen next for a week and then being wrong about it and enjoying the next ride. Well, sure. Content creators enjoy the, the yeah. once a week uh, steady amount of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it for sure. But I think that it creates more fun fan discussion as well. It also creates more frustrating fan discussion. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Um, but I don't know. I got kind of tired of the um, the binge model. I like being able to blow through things, but I remember when The Expanse Season 4 came out, and that was its first season on Amazon, and I was like, I'll watch one or two, and then I watched them all, <laughs> and then I was mad that I didn't have any more Expanse. Yeah. And then Seasons 5 and 6, I think, released like, the first three, and then went weekly. And I was like, this is nice. I like this. Just being able to spread your series out a little bit more, I prefer that personally. Mm -hmm. It's like having to woof down a five-course meal in 10 minutes versus going to a nice restaurant, having a drink, having an appetizer, (laughs) having a good time, having good discussions. For, you know, however many hours long, that's way better. Yeah. that's It fits perfectly in with the Star Wars buffet analogy that a Force Center uses all the time. Is that, you know, you go to a buffet and you're probably not going to get everything there. There's a little something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but don't wolf it all down. You'll feel sick. <laughs> Elijah Prusa asks if Sabine could make her live-action debut in The Mandalorian Season 3 instead of Ahsoka. I hadn't thought about that, but... It wouldn't really shock me if yeah. that happened. It would not shock me either, to be honest. And, you know, from the footage that we saw at Celebration for season three and how Mando heavy it is, it would make sense. Yeah, I, that footage had more Mandalorians than we've ever seen. So, and obviously she is Mandalorian. So and it, she's it got does. history with the Darksaber. She's got history with the Darksaber. She knows Bo-Katan. Ahsoka has popped up randomly uh, two seasons in a row, if we're counting Book of Boba Fett. So, yeah, I, I think that the next time we see Ahsoka, she might have a buddy in tow. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll have more than one. I don't know. Could yeah. see Hera. Could see Rex. Could see Zeb. Man, if they do Zeb in live action, that'll be wild. <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's a great way to really hype up people for for the ahsoka show just drop a few little nuggets of these characters and then tell people like hey these characters they're gonna get their own show yeah it it feels very much like even if it's in the post credit scene or whatever i do think that because ahsoka is going to be related to the mandalorian there will be some tease something to be like hey everyone get ready for the Ahsoka series, and it's coming out in 
June or whatever that maybe they'll give us the release date right as the Mandalorian ends. Also, I just want Sabine to meet Grogu. Everyone should be able to do that. Yeah. It's just a long line of every <laughs> character in Star Wars waiting to shake his tiny hand. <laughs> On to YouTube questions. Mitwit Gaming wants to know how we think grocery shopping works in the galaxy far, far away. I don't know. But they, this had a lot of upvotes. Did so it? let's let's dig into this. Okay. Well I mean we we have seen Ezra and Zeb go to the market to steal fruit. Yeah. So there is that. We know there are markets and vendors. I think that's it's basically a farmer's market every weekend. Are there weekends in Star Wars? Yeah, sure. Now I have so many questions. But <laughs> uh yeah, a farmer's market where you can just go ha- pick from a bunch of fresh produce and, you know, you've got your butcher who that's who Obi-Wan was working mm-hmm. for. So you, that's where you would go to get your meat. Um, I think it would be pretty simple. I'm wondering if they offer a service like like Uber Eats, though. Mm, that makes sense. Or Uber Eats or like uh, a, a meal delivery kit or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, something something about whatever Baru was making in that in that weird machine and in, in a new hope where she's just like putting stuff into like a space blender. Well, obviously Baru is the kind of person that's going to go to the farmer's market, make a nice home cooked meal. I think Obi-Wan, we saw him like dissolve a stew or whatever, kind of like Ray and her portions. Mm-hmm. That's probably what the meal kit delivery is. There's just like <laughs> Here's your packet of stew. Yeah. It's, Just add water. <laughs> it's like the portions from Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. You got your veg meat, you got your polystarch. Basically, they're like MREs that'll keep you alive, but not taste great. Which sounds exactly like where Obi-Wan's head is at at that point. He's like, I don't deserve good food. I'm just yeah. going to use whatever this is. He feeds his EOP better than he feeds himself. Uh-huh. Uh, now, this question also wonders, is there such a thing? Because, yeah, we do know there are markets... Would there be a Costco or something like that, Sheaves Club, where you... Yeah, a... it would definitely be an empire-run situation uh-huh. where it's like... You have to have a membership card and your chain code out. Yeah. And, and like, you have to just buy a lot of something instead of just how much you would need. There's There's definitely something there. I think the closer you get to the core, Outer Rim Worlds, that's probably where you got your markets and your butchers and your individual businesses. But the closer you get into Coruscant, that's where everything is more and more commercialized and uh, run by the Empire so they can make Mm -hmm. sure they're profiting from it. Yeah. And they have all of their own uh, brands of things, except unlike Costco, which makes a lot of great Kirkland brand uh, stuff. Whatever the Empire brand would be, it's it's all garbage. Palpland? Pal- Palpland? Sheevland? Sheevland? I don't know. It's It's got to be something based off of him. He's going to slap his name in his face on everything. Yeah. It's, you, that's the, you got to look at his wrinkled old face while you're eating cereal every morning. And you're like, thank you, Emperor. Palpos. <laughs> Palpotines. Yeah. Palpatines. Yeah. <laughs> something. That's yeah. saltines. There's, there's something there. Uh, stand by for more jokes on the <laughs> Star Wars version of Costco. <laughs> Blake Davison asks how Ahsoka reacted to sensing Anakin's death in Return of the Jedi. We don't know, but I imagine it would have been quite the roller coaster. 
because she did not sense Anakin in the Force for a while. Uh, she did not know that Darth Vader was Anakin. As far as she knew, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he was dead. Then, in Star Wars Rebels, we see them encounter each other for the first time. She reaches out in the Force just to kind of affect Vader, and then realizes, once she, like, digs into his presence, that's like, no, that's Anakin. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of wonder if she felt Anakin return to the light side, and was like, ecstatic and then felt him disappear again and and wondered what happened i don't know that she would have felt that happen or not because yeah like what we see in rebels she's close to him like physically close mm -hmm. and like they're they're involved with each other at the time but who knows where she might be at during the time of Return of the Jedi when all this all the end stuff goes down. Um, but I know we've talked about this before. I want to see this story told in the certain point of view uh, for Return of the Jedi. Just whether or not she has a, an immediate knowing of what's going on and reaction, I just want to see Anakin's Force Ghost make his rounds and make her one of the one of the first stops. Like right after partying at Endor He's like, all right, I'm going to go visit Snips yeah, and I gotta have a go. talk. I got to apologize to her. He's just got to go apologize to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that whole thing. Yeah, that's that's the only reason why he is uh, able to be a force ghost. He has to go make amends. Yeah, but that's our fingers are crossed for it should be next year. Uh, we'll get a certain point of view Return of the Jedi book. And then hopefully Ahsoka is one of the last stories that... It can be her experience of whether she senses Anakin's return or not, or if it's the Force Ghost or both. I think that's when we'll get our answer. Matthew Kelly wants to know if we'll see Inquisitors in the Andor series. I don't really think so. I like where your head's at. I like the idea of uh, non-Force-sensitive people having to go up against an Inquisitor, and that would be much scarier in that context, I think, then, you know, in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Inquisitors are less than Vader. He's the big scary one. But if we met a new Inquisitor that was big and terrifying, and uh, if the Ninth Sister kicked the door in and <laughs> started to try to wipe everyone out, although she, her fate is up in the air right now as of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. But an Inquisitor would be a fun idea. I think that they're going to, similar to Rogue One, for the most part, lean away from the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah, I agree. I think the Force users, if there are any in this show, it's going to be very few and far between. Um, we got a lot of Inquisitor stuff in Kenobi, so I doubt we'll see a ton of it in Andor. However, I would love to see the Grand Inquisitor again because I will never shut up about how much I loved Robert Friend as a... Uh, Rupert Friend? <laughs> Rupert, yeah. Rupert, Robert. Uh, Rupert Friend as Grand Inquisitor because he was great. You're just a Grand Inquisitor mega fan now? Mm -hmm. You're a Stan Inquisitor. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That Funky Monkey asks if Thrawn will have a hand in the return of Palpatine or the creation of the First Order. I don't think so. I think, my gut is telling me that Thrawn... And I'm, I'm pulling out of stuff that we know from, like, the books, which I don't... I know they don't always inform what happens in live action, 
But Thrawn in the books is very much like, a, I'm doing what I have to do to protect the Chiss ascendancy. So I don't think he was the biggest fan of Palpatine. I think he was a fan of the power that he held. Thrawn didn't like the Death Star. I don't think he would like Starkiller Base. Too showy. Yeah. <laughs> it, more d too dangerous, I think. Yeah. He wanted a big fleet. He wanted the power to fight against the dangers of the unknown regions. I don't think he liked the idea of planet killers. So I think that his goal is going to be more to rebuild the empire or at least the fleet. I think that's more where we are headed rather than we need to recreate the emperor mm -hmm. and then we need to recreate this even more fanatical version of the empire with even more planet killers. That just doesn't feel like Thrawn to me. Yeah, I don't think Thrawn was a big fan of Palpatine. Uh, and I think Thrawn would have th thought that the First Order was very messy and poorly run. He would have had wanted to have nothing to do uh, with Kylo Ren and, and Hux and all He'd of them. He'd just be like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what I think of, though, in this situation is more like something like the f the final order, like all those ships coming up out of mm -hmm. the whatever that was. Which were also planet killers. Yeah. So, like, I think he would have been a fan of that plan. I don't think so. No? He's oh, well, he wanted a fleet. Not, not of planet killers. He was not happy about the Death Star. Um, maybe if it were in a fleet that could spread out, maybe he'd be more on board. All right, well, take off the planet killer aspect of the final order. Then. Well, then that that's kind of what I think he's going for now. Yeah. I think he is working with Elsbeth, I think her name was, and other people to rebuild a fleet of some kind. I kind of see this as, this is another like classic Star Wars villain thing. Like, I can do this better. I can handle the power better than Palpatine could. Like, I could see him getting word that Palpatine was dead and being like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll come back and I'll handle this. Now, is does that mean that he doesn't tie in with, like, all the stuff we saw in Navarro with the cloning tubes? That does feel like it's starting to get convoluted, where it's like, okay, now we have multiple uh, Imperial factions, which is a thing in Star Wars Legends, and it sounds like it is in canon as well. Um that starts to make things a little more confusing, though, where it's like, who's the big bad, Gideon or Thrawn, or mm -hmm. are they just separate? It's, so. it's going to be really interesting to see how they portray Thrawn and what his end goal is going to be, because I don't know that much about Thrawn, but, like, what is his end goal? His end goal is to protect the Chiss Ascendancy, and his big flaw is that he will do it at any cost. So he only cares about the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah. So he's he doesn't care then about what what the Empire stood for in First Order. They just wanted power and control. Yeah. So he made a deal with the devil, Palpatine, to help protect his people. And obviously, like that in my head canon right now, to reconcile the fact that he's a little more noble in the books than he is in like Star Wars Rebels even, is that making a deal with the devil is always a bad idea and it's going to corrupt you. And I could see him being like, oh, with the emperor out of the way, I can run this. I can be responsible with all this power and I'll do it the right way. 
Um, but he is very much like a, I, I would say he lines up pretty well with the fascist ideals of like whatever we have to do for uh, security in, in the unknown regions is what we will do. In the last Ascendancy book, we learn about this Chiss super weapon they have and he doesn't wind up firing it, but he was like, if that were my only course of action, I would have done it. So he's willing to use terrible weapons if there's no other way. Mm -hmm. It's just not his first choice. Sure. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy. 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.